You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Coronavirus, day 20, 40, I don't know. Things are unraveling quickly here in self-isolation. I'm at my wit's end. I haven't seen Dan or the Danettes in so long that I'm now making pancakes shaped like their head and decorating their facial features using fruit. I even was contemplating the unthinkable. A virtual happy hour with Chris Mannix. Oh my God, did he just say that? Don't have her leave me again. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave, this is Dan Patrick. Oh, it's good to be back. We missed you. Hopefully you missed us, and hopefully we can play some kind of role in your life, at least the next couple of hours here. Uh, we're here every day, Monday through Friday. Good to be back after hitting the reset button with our families. Fritzy's at home, Seton's at home, McLovin at home, but still joining us via technology. Paulie is here in front of me, our skeleton crew. The Big German is running the YouTube channel, believe it or not. You know, YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. We got the other guys in the back who are helping us with a uh, scaled down staff here as we try to do this smart thing. But uh, here for you, having fun, uh, hopefully giving you a diversion or a smile on your face if possible. Coming up, we'll talk to Albert Breer. He works for the Monday Morning Quarterback. There is internal pressure, from what I'm told, that the draft will be, or should be, I should say, should be postponed and maybe until the middle of May that uh, we're just, the numbers are going to rise here uh, and the numbers are not going to be good for the next two weeks, at least from what we've been told, seven to 10 days. And then are you still going to be able to hold this draft? So we'll talk to Albert Breer about that. Uh, a few other football items to talk to him. I was also told by a source over the weekend that they're looking at a truncated schedule with the NFL. They're looking at 12 games, maybe a 14 game schedule and also, if they do, when they do have the draft, do they give teams, because the technology that's involved, do they give them a chance to have a little more time with the first-round picks? So maybe they give them a couple extra minutes. I was also told by a source who uh, is an NFL scout who said, you know, you might be able to hold this at a team facility because you can come in and disinfect. You can wipe down everything. You know, instead of going to a banquet hall, you know, going to a hotel and trying to pull this off, that this makes more sense, that you'd be able to do that where these teams could go into their team facilities and they could scrub it down, they could sanitize it, then you could have people who could be in there and you could have your war room. But as it is now, I think you might have the host of the draft, you know, whether it's the NFL Network with Rich Eisen or Trey Wingo with ESPN, they might be hosting from their home. I don't know if you can get everybody together. Is the commissioner going to be at home announcing these picks? Would he go to ESPN to do this, which is about two hours away from where he lives? There's a lot of things here. And that's where when we, we start to become attached to timelines, it's dangerous, I think, because we're expecting this. You might be forcing people to do something that they don't want to do. They're not comfortable doing. They can't do their jobs correctly. That's why whether it's starting the NFL season on time or college football season on time, I don't need time frames. I don't. And, and you shouldn't need it either, at least not now. Give us two weeks because that's an eternity right now. Give us three weeks. Give us a month, and then we can find out what direction we're headed in, and then maybe you can start to look at a 100-game baseball schedule. 
Maybe you look at five games of the NBA regular season, then you go into the postseason. And maybe it's best of three in the first round, best of five in the second round. You know, we can adapt. We're a very adaptable nation here. When it comes to the NFL season, will it start on time? If it doesn't, it's okay. College football, if it doesn't start on time, it's okay. There are bigger issues to worry about. But, at, you know, we keep coming up with time frames. Hey, what if we do this and then there's no fans? Okay, we can explore all of these things. Just don't set something down in stone where we hope to start by. I'm okay if you don't have a time frame. The NBA, by the way, announced a star-studded Hall of Fame class over the weekend. So you got Kobe, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett headlining the group. And this is supposed to take place in late August. Kobe, Duncan, Garnett, three of the players that define basketball in the 21st century. Now, there's going to be a lot of sadness. Hopefully there is celebration of Kobe, just like, you know, when the Lakers held that night. Hopefully that you have that. Uh, you know, we won't be able to hear that great speech that Kobe would have had. You know, it might be Michael Jordan-like where he's calling out players that he went against. Um, if his wife gives it, uh, that would be wonderful as well. You know, you got Tim Duncan who doesn't say anything. Uh, Kevin Garnett who says a lot. He would be fun. <laughs> he's fitting he's going in with Duncan because they were rivals. And you talk about opposite styles, personalities with those two. Rudy Tomjanovich was a great player, coach. Uh, Tamika Catchings of the WNBA. It's, it, it will be a great night. Hopefully they get to hold that. Um, it would be wonderful to be able to see Kobe go in and give that speech. Uh, Tim Duncan actually talked about going into the Hall of Fame, and this is what the man who's known as the big fundamental had to say. I started basketball late. I didn't play on the highest level to start. So the development at every stage was, was huge for me. Staying four years in college was huge for me. He played four years. Now, that's a dinosaur. Dinosaur. He, he might be the last four-year player. I'm trying to think of this. Who other – give me other guys do you think, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head, who spent four years in college – and are going to the Hall of Fame. Because there are guys who did that, but I'm talking about, you know, guys in the 90s that, you know, Kobe didn't go to college, KG didn't go to college, and then here's Tim Duncan who went four years at Wake Forest. And you have other guys who are going in, and it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. You know, Kristen Leitner, Bobby Hurley, those are guys who went four years. But I'm trying to think, you know, Tim Duncan could be the last of the four-year starters in college going into the Hall of Fame. Here's Kevin Garnett with the uh, ESPN Basketball Hall of Fame announcement. Playing with Paul, playing with Ray, coming to Boston was a huge, 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 huge challenge in my life. It was probably one of the biggest decisions I made in my career, and I'm glad I made it. We should have got together a couple of years earlier, right? We'd probably be sitting about two or three <laughs> more rings. Yeah, but you know what I always appreciated about Garnett is I think he went to a conference final in, in Minnesota, but, but he didn't say, hey, you got to get me out of here. And he didn't get along with management, but, you know, he chose, he stayed there. I mean, he honored his contract, and then the opportunity, somehow the, Danny Ainge called Kevin McHale and said, hey, uh, what about KG? Yeah, 
All right. And then all of a sudden you go, wow, you got Pierce and Ray Ray with KG and Rondo. Boy. And they ended up winning the title there. But but KG stayed in Minnesota. And nowadays, that's where you go, get me out of here. I, I don't want to stay with this franchise. We're not going anywhere. I started to think about when you look at Hall of Fame classes, there are three players who have been named to the NBA All-Defensive Team at least 12 times. All three are in this year's Hall of Fame class. Duncan, 15-time All-Defensive Team. Kobe was 12. Kevin Garnett was 12. Not that we concentrate on defense, but just to let you know how great these players were, they were great at both ends of the floor. You start to now. This is a great Hall of Fame class. Um, I go back to 2008. Adrian Dantley, who was a spectacular college player, a very good pro player. Patrick Ewing, Akeem Olajuwon, Pat Riley, and Dick Vitale. That's pretty good. 2018. Ray Allen, Mo Cheeks, Grant Hill, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Charlie Scott, Tina Thompson. It's pretty good too. Then you got 1980, where I bring you Oscar Robertson, Jerry Lucas, and Jerry West. That's pretty good. Those are three of the top 10 college basketball players of all time. Two of the top 10 NBA players of all time. And Jerry Lucas was a great college basketball player, good pro player, won a title with the Knicks. This year's class with Kobe, Tamika Catchings. Tim Duncan, KG, Kim Mulkey, the great coach, and who was a great player at Tennessee, Rudy Tomjanovich, Eddie Sutton. That's pretty impressive. 2009, Michael Jordan, David Robinson, John Stockton, Jerry Sloan, and the coach Vivian Stringer. That's probably your best Hall of Fame class. Mike, David, Stockton, Sloan was a very good player and a very good coach, and Vivian Stringer, one of the great coaches uh, of all time. Uh, what else is on here? 87 has got a soft spot in my heart. Rick Barry, Walt Frazier, Pete Maravich going into the Hall of Fame. That's when I actually asked Walt Frazier at the Hall of Fame ceremony in Springfield, hey, didn't Maravich put up 68 <laughs> points? On, oh, what am I thinking? <laughs> I asked Pete, I asked Walt Frazier, hey, didn't Maravich put up 68 on you? And he goes, I didn't guard him the whole game, which is true. He didn't. And I said, I don't think anybody did. I think it was Dean Memminger who was guarding him. Uh, Henry Bibby, I think, might have been guarding him. Maravich put up 68 points. Uh, 1995, Abdul Jabbar, Ann Donovan, Cheryl Miller. Ooh. So I might have, I got the best college player of all time, and I got men's and women's in that draft, in that class, 95. Abdul-Jabbar and Cheryl Miller. Let me see, what else do I have? 2006, Charles Barkley, Joe Dumars, Dominic Wilkins, Gina Oriema, Dave Gabbett, who started the Big East. That's pretty good there. 2016, Allen Iverson, Yao Ming, Shaq, Cheryl Swoops, there it is, Tom Izzo, Jerry Reinsdorf, yeah. It's fun. Fun looking at these classes there, but, man, I'll miss just wondering what Kobe would have said when he got up there. And, you know, as competitive as he as he is, would have been, 
he would have wanted to outdo Michael Jordan's speech. We got a bunch of new shirts in the DP Show store. We got Quarantine This! Exclamation point. Tampa Bay with a uh, Tom Brady shirt. We got the Beer Here t-shirts. They are the money that's raised from these t-shirts help the uh, hourly and service industry workers, aid them impacted by the pandemic. Go to danpatrick.com. Check all of those out. Voting is open for uh, the Meat Madness songs. We're down to the Mesquite 16 just this week for this round as we get around to the Final Fork and our uh, national championship. We'll have that for you coming up as well. Best and worst of the weekend. McLevin, update the poll results if you can. Uh, are you okay with the NFL holding the draft on April 23rd? 79% say yes. Now. Okay. All right. And that's fair. I mean, look, I, I want it to happen. I just, I'm, I'm curious if it will happen. Uh, the voting for meat bracket, danpatrick.com slash meat bracket. Yes, Pauline. I kind of disagree with you and McLovin on the draft thing as far as like them getting it together. I know the public perception thing is tough if, if things get worse. Yeah. But I think from a technical standpoint, they're going to be able to get it together and put on a decent broadcast and I think people are going to be very forgiving if there's blips, if there's glitches, if if they go to a guest and the guest isn't there. I, I think that the cons- consuming public will not tear the NFL and the NFL network apart if uh, it's not pretty, if it's not smooth. Well, I wouldn't be concerned about social media as much as just from a technical standpoint of doing my job to make sure we were doing our job as the broadcast partner. You don't want to be embarrassed by it. That's all. The other thing is right now, the it's 10 minutes in between picks in round one, seven in round two, five in rounds three through seven. That's where I think you're going to have to add a little bit more time, maybe in rounds three through seven, because if you can't get everybody together, I think it's going to be difficult. Just if you're trying to get in touch with another team for a trade, I just, it feels like that's going to put some even added pressure on these teams to just get it done, to get the pick in, to do it right. What if the line drops? What if something happens? Like, you just, you don't know. I mean, we deal with that right here with just modern technology, with, uh, you know, Fritzy and Seton and McLovin at their homes here. Good morning, Todd. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing okay. You look good. Uh, what year is that Dan Patrick shirt that you have on? It's so old. It's from a uh, celebrity beach bowl from DirecTV from many years. That's hence. 10 years old. <laughs> so what does that mean? That is t- no, I, of- no, I was applauding you. I mean, it's wonderful. That, that it's a throwback. I just decided I want to wear a Dan Patrick Show shirt. I got the I mean, it should logo, be classic old school logo there. It should be a throwout, but it's a throwback <laughs> shirt for you. But uh, I'm glad I'm glad you're flying the colors. I saw on Instagram that uh, you sent out some videos. You were vacuuming. I was vacuuming, I was dusting, and I got uh, torn apart. I was told there was one uh, tweet suggesting that I set back mankind like a thousand years based on the way I was performing those tasks. Did you have a sleeveless shirt on? I did. I had a Syracuse, uh, like a long sleeve shirt. Oh, okay. On. Okay. I, because you, we're, yeah, any chance that you can show off the guns, I thought you were going to do that. I would have liked to have done that, but right around the time I decided to vacuum for like the second time maybe in my life, um, th- there was a woman coming by that was raising money for coronavirus and helping the community. And she's going around taking pictures of like senior classes and having them wear their families what school they're going to. So I thought that was really nice. We all got dressed up in our Syracuse gear and I vacuumed, I dusted and raised money for a good cause. It was a special day. Yes, Paul. Uh, when Todd posted the video of him vacuuming the uh, carpet on the steps of his house, people compared uh, it to go. like a, a new newly born fawn walk for the first time, which just the, the legs are all awkward and they don't really know how to work this yet. 
I give you credit that you at least you tried. I did try. What? No, give no. Him credit. He's a grown man. <laughs> Seton. <laughs> He's we, an adult. No, no. Seton, we've seen this before. Like, I, I, I just, I'm to the point now where he's trying. He's trying. You're right. Most grown men should be able to unscrew a light bulb, push a broom. That's asking a lot. Dan, it took a global pandemic to get Todd to dust a, a frame of a pub on his house or to vacuum something. I know. I know. I will say that uh, I didn't attach the the thing when I was dusting when I was back in the steps. You, you, have to, you can't use the rivet. You got to put like some kind of attachment with like a like a little pull. And so I had the the wife spin, and then I went from there to clean a couple of steps up. Anybody pick up any hobbies? I almost did. I came this close to picking up a hobby. Anybody want to guess the hobby that I nearly picked up? Yeah, Paul. It's got to be a musical instrument because I don't think you've ever tried to play one. I tried to play guitar for about an hour. <laughs> and, and then I gave up because I said to my wife, I can't master this. And she said, you haven't done it more than an hour. I go, no, I can't master this. Is that the hobby that you picked up that you'd spent the hour this past week? Or was that years ago? Oh, that's years ago. Oh, okay. I picked up, well, I almost picked up playing the piano. Wow. <laughs> so I was going to get a keyboard. So I so could. Wait, ha- yeah, by, by almost picked up, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean you considered going to get a keyboard and then decided not to? Yeah. And then my wife says, you can't go to Best Buy and get a keyboard. And I said, all right. And then never mind. Do you think if you had a, a free keyboard available, you'd try it? Yes, I would. If you didn't have to go to the pocket. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, I would have paid for it. I couldn't because my wife says, you got to order it and have it shipped to you. You can't just go to Best Buy. And then I said, oh, I forget about it. So I just decided to watch a lot of TV and drink beer <laughs> and play with my dog. Yes, Eden. So why the piano? I have no idea because I can't, I can't master guitar. And I thought maybe piano would be something that I could enjoy. And who knows? Maybe down the road I could get on stage with Darius Rucker and Hooting the Blowfish, and then I could play a song. I mean, you got to have goals, and that's what I was thinking. Yeah, see. See, I think that you're more of a trumpet guy. You should pick up the trumpet. I already picked it up. I already mastered it. Oh, you did master the trumpet? Yes. See, I already got it. So why? Now that you're all getting all into jazz now. Oh, yeah. You're just sort of the show's Miles Davis. Oh, if Miles Davis heard this, he'd be like, hey, come on in. I, a fellow genius here. Yes, McLeod. <laughs> yeah. Would you wear the uh, the thing that you strap on the piano and you can play? Oh, I, think it's I don't know a, if we a, need to. Wow. A, a keytar like Revenge of the Nerds? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you mean, you, like you not, oh, you guys went the wrong direction. You I lost me a strap on. <laughs> I, I don't know what you were talking about. You guys ever seen a piano with a shoulder strap? No one's played the keytar. Yeah, keytar, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think everybody, they just got lost in the other part I mean, of that make it back. Wait, wait, wait. You guys jumped way too quickly into that pool. but That's us. It's kind of what we do. Yeah, isn't it? You sound Jump surprised. way too quickly into the wrong end of the pool. You, you sound surprised. <laughs> Did you pick up any hobbies, McLovin? No. Okay, I, I'm stealing this line, but there's two Americas. There's a quarantine with kids. 
and the quarantine without kids. Yeah. The quarantine with kids are working harder than they've ever worked in their lives. I am so out, man. <laughs> to actually have to parent is impossible right now. And you're in a, a two-bedroom apartment there, and you, you can't even – you can't hide. All my shortcomings as a parent have come to the forefront <laughs> in the last two weeks. Yeah, Paul. It's Dan. It's how you present your things to your kids and make them want to do a chore. I had this old basement in my house, and there's a lot of paneling that needs to come down, and there's these little finishing nails sticking out. There must be 60 or 70 of them, and I don't want to pull them out. I don't want to do that, so it's what works. So I, I told my daughter Molly, I'm like, you know what? I got to pull out all these fin- nails out of the wall, but, you know, I, she goes, can I help? I'm like, no, nah, you're a little too young for that. I don't, I don't think you – well – all right, baby, if you want to try pulling these nails, I'll let you try one. And she tried one. I'm like, you did it. And then I go, you know what? Do you want to do them? If you, No, you can't do them. She goes, no, I want to, I want to do it. She sat there for three hours pulling finishing nails out of the wall while I drank a bottle. I like that. Fantastic. All right, we got a poll question. We'll give you uh, our uh, best and worst of the weekend. We'll get to your phone calls coming up. Albert Breer will join us on loan for Monday morning quarterback. Get his thoughts on the upcoming draft. A couple other things. It, the, everything about the draft with prospects is timing. You'll get somebody who was an underdog, and then all of a sudden they get built up, and then they get torn down. You get built up, and then you get torn. Like Jordan Love, oh, this guy, and then all of a sudden he's going to go in the top five, and then he starts to get torn down. Justin Herbert is, and then he starts to get torn down a little bit. And now it's time for Tua Tonga-Vailoa, because there were a couple of... Uh, Sources who were, I'm not sure the article, uh, Matt Miller, I think, Bleacher Report, where he talked uh, to some scouts about Tua, and now you're starting to get the negativity, not just the physicality here with Tua and his health. This is about his talents in the pocket and how great those receivers were that they bailed him out when he got in trouble, and he won't have that luxury in the NFL. But uh, we'll talk to him about that. The whole strategy behind you know, when you promote your uh, candidate here, your draft pick, and all of a sudden they start to tear it down a little bit. Because everything about Tua has been glowing. And I think Lee Steinberg's done a wonderful job as agent of putting it out there. Hey, his medicals came back. He is unbelievable. He's incredibly healthy. All of those good things. All right, so we'll talk to Albert Breer. He'll join us on loan from Monday Morning Quarterback. And uh, we'll come back after this Dan Patrick Show. Marriott has confirmed a second data breach in three years. This time it involved the personal information of 5.2 million guests. Marriott said that no reason to believe the payment data was stolen, but warned that names, addresses, phone numbers, loyalty member info, birth dates, other travel information were taken in the breach. It's important to understand about cybercrime and how it's affecting our lives. Identity theft is a serious issue. Someone's identity is stolen every two seconds. And you could miss these identity threats if you're only monitoring your credit. That's why it's great to have LifeLock. You know, I've had a couple of uh, instances where I thought somebody had, you know, had a security breach with my information there, and LifeLock told me, no, there's nothing to worry about. They detect a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. And if they do find that your information is being used, they send you an alert. No one can prevent prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock sees the threats you might miss on your own. Join now, save up to 25% off your first year using the promo code PATRICK, 1-800-LIFELOCK or lifelock.com. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Luke in Alabama, and then we'll talk to Albert Breer about the NFL draft. Hey, Luke. 
Hey, Dan, appreciate you uh, taking my call. The best is uh, waking up this morning. It was like my birthday. It was like Christmas. I knew that Dan and the boys were going to be back, and uh, it's been a great day so far. I appreciate everything you're doing. Worst, I come home last week. My wife is watching DIY Network. The next day, Home Depot delivers some paint to the house, and I am painting the exterior. (laughs) Thank you, Luke. I've run out of jobs at home. I've run out of rooms to clean. The attic, I did that. The basement, I did that. The garage, I did that yesterday. I've run out of things to do. That's why I think I need to pick up piano. I need a hobby here. Because if I don't, then my wife will say, you got to do something. What are you going to do? Like, there's nothing wrong with not doing anything. Like, I'm really good at that. Eh, It doesn't go over well. Oh, it doesn't, but but I try to I try not to do anything, and I've done a pretty good job at that. But uh, yeah, that's where you know my wife gets in the way, and it's like, why are you buzzkill? You know, maybe you could uh, take ca- uh, cooking lessons. I go, no, like, what? I, I I take eating lessons. How about that? You take cooking lessons. I take eating lessons, honey. I love you. See you later. We'll talk to Albert Breer coming up here in a moment. Let me get in one more phone call. Wynn in North Carolina. Hi, Wynn. What do you have for me? Good morning, Dan. And thank you so much for you and everybody uh, putting the show on. It, it means thank a you. lot to a lot of us. Thank so, you. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the best um, is, for me, is public broadcasting service through their app making available Ken Burns series on baseball. Uh, I hadn't watched it, gosh, for I guess it's 20 years now, maybe. And Bob Costas looks like a baby on that thing. It's amazing how he's aged over the years. But anyway, it's a a great thing, and um, baseball is just the best game to me in the world. But anyway, and the the worst is um, not being able to listen to John Sterling and Susan Waldman call Yankee games uh, every day. It's a, a totally zen thing for me. So thanks a lot, and uh, keep up the good work. Stay safe. Thank you, Wynn. Yeah, I was watching the MLB Network, and uh, they had a Giants-Dodgers game opening day a couple of years ago. And I, I've, I'm i just listening to, you know, the calmness. Sometimes you'll be at the ocean, and you'll hear the waves. and Like, that's Vin Scully's voice. Like, I, I just totally zoned out and just listening to Vin describing baseball. Uh, and it was just a treat. You know, we already knew what the outcome of the game was, but just hearing him, it was uh, it was wonderful. Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter for the Monday Morning Quarterback, also works uh, NBC Sports Boston, who uh, joins us on the program. Albert, what's the state of the draft right now? I, Dan, I think almost every team's expecting they're going to have to do it from home. Um, you know, there's a memo that went out last week that basically – said that there's going to be one of two things that are going to happen. Either everybody's going to be able to use their team facility or no one's going to be able to congregate at all and everybody's going to have to do the draft from home. And I don't know if you've seen these maps, but, you know, the the latest map I saw showed that 31 of the 32 teams are under stay-at-home orders now. And so it's really hard to envision a scenario where all 32 teams are going to be allowed by the rules in their state to go into their facilities. So, they're going to almost certainly be running the draft from home, and there are a lot of pitfalls that the, the league and the teams are working through. I mean, it, comes, it goes all the way down to you know, the Internet connection in your house, yeah. which 
I, I like teams and running their meetings now, which, you know, all that stuff's happening from home now. Teams are having problems with that. So um, there's a lot of work to do in the next two and a half weeks. I've been uh, mentioning this morning, the last hour and a half, uh, periodically that a source said there's some internal pressure that depending what happens over the next seven to 10 days in our country, that, you know, it might be wise to postpone this until the middle of May. Like, what's the harm in doing something like that? Have you heard anything where they would postpone it a couple of weeks, which, you know, might allow teams to have a war room where they can go into? We don't even know where the commissioner is going to be. Is the commissioner going right. to handle the draft from his house? I mean, that's, yeah, and that's what's been floated out there. I know, like, the two kind of ideas that they'd been working with. One was the commissioner was going to run the draft from his house. Um, and then the other was that they were going to run the draft out of Bristol, um, out of ESPN's headquarters and have simulcast there. And so um, it could be one, it could be the other, it could be both. Uh, but there's definitely, I'll put it this way, there are a lot of general managers and a lot of head coaches that feel right now like everybody's going to be put in a really tough spot if the draft goes off on time. Um, and that's without even getting to their own feelings on how tone deaf it might seem to be doing this as this situation worsens in our country. And so, you know, I know a lot of the general managers who are on this subcommittee have pushed back on the idea of going with the draft on time. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that the, the, the big pushback on that was, well, what difference does it make? It won't, it won't be any different in May or June. Um, well, now you can sort of see that swinging back around where, you know, some people are saying, well, what's the rush then? Because yeah. teams aren't going to be starting up until July anyway. I mean, the off-season program in all likelihood is going to be wiped out. So, like, if, you're not, if the rookies aren't going to be showing up till the middle of the summer anyway, then why are we in this huge rush to, to do this while the situation gets so much worse in our country? I also brought this up. At, you know, it, there's a roller coaster. You can see this every year with the draft, certainly with quarterbacks. You know, Jordan Love got all that attention, and then all of a sudden we start to tear him down. Justin Herbert got all that attention. Then we started to nitpick a little bit. Now it's Tua on the clock, and it feels like now people start to slice and dice Tua Tonga Vailoa because, and we're not talking about the injuries. But I saw this on Bleacher Report with Matt Miller, and he was talking about, you know, scouts were looking at some of the problems with Tua. It happens every year, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I still think – but I still think, Dan, the biggest problem with Tua is the, the medical. And, and I don't think it's – I think a lot of people are focused on the hip, and that's still an issue, no question. And he's not, to, not going to be totally out of the woods on draft day. There's still some complications that could come up with the hip after that. Um, but really it's the multitude of injuries that teams are worried about. Those two ankle surgeries that he had at Alabama, those are new surgeries. So there's really no track record on how those are going to hold up long term. And then you've got just the, the, the mass amount of injuries. And, you know, look, like if you want to go back and look at history, Dan, and, and people look at these injuries and say, well, you know, it's bad luck. The kid could overcome it. History shows us over the last decade that quarterbacks who go in the first round and come into the, come into the draft with serious medical history from college almost all get hurt again sam bradford in 10 jake locker in 11 robert griffin in 12 marcus mariota in 15 carson wentz in 16 deshaun watson in 17 josh rosen in 18 all of them had significant injury history in college all of them got hurt again in the pros and so teams look at that and say we like Tua as a player 
but can we trust that he's going to be able to stay healthy? And I got to tell you, you look at that list, Dan. Yeah. Tua's got more more history than most of those guys too. So I still think the medical is a part of it. He's not a perfect prospect. But I can tell you this, the Bama coaches have told NFL people, we believe he's a left-handed Drew Brees. I've got enough NFL people agree with that assessment to, to make me think that he's very well thought of as a player, really the major problem is the medical. What are the Dolphins going to do? What should and what will the Dolphins do? Well, I think they'd love to get Joe Burrow, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, the Bengals have done a lot of relationship building, I'll put it that way, with Joe Burrow. Um, you know, they've got a, a guy in their team named Sam Hubbard who is actually a college roommate of Joe, uh, roommate of Joe Burrow's. Um, Zach Taylor actually had a, a little bit of a relationship with Joe Burrow's dad for them having recruited the same area a few years ago when Zach Taylor was at the University of Cincinnati. Um, and so I just I don't think the Bengals are going to move off their spot on this one. So that leaves the Dolphins sitting there at five. And they did a ton of homework on Tua. I mean, look, the, the, the owner, the team president, the GM, they were all at Tua's bowl game, and Tua didn't even play. So that's the amount of research and homework they're do, they've done into Tua. But that can also swing the other way, where maybe now they know enough about the, the medical to feel uncomfortable with it. And so I still think they probably take a quarterback. Do they move to get one? I'm not sure. And I'm telling you, I'm, if they had the choice of two, I'm not so sure it would be Tua over Justin Herbert right now. Really? I'm not positive on that, yeah. Okay. We're talking to Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter for the MondayMorningQuarterback.com. You start to look at landing spots for Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, even Jadavion Clowney. I mean, it feels like Clowney is going to get paid and he's going to have opportunities here. But let's start with Cam. The, uh, the market is shrinking rapidly. Yeah, and this is like the weirdest circumstance, isn't it? Because forever people were looking for quarterbacks and – overpaying quarterbacks, overdrafting quarterbacks. Now it's almost like that bubble burst where, you know, the supply actually outweighed the demand um, this offseason. And that, you know, left Cam and Andy Dalton and Jameis without a seat when the music stopped. So I think part of Cam's problem is absolutely the medical and the circumstance that all teams and players are in right now where you can't give guys physicals and teams want to get a look at his right shoulder and teams want to get look, a look at his left foot. And they can't do that right now. Um, and so that part of it's a, a, a big piece of all of this. And, and then the other piece of it is, I mean, look, Cam's been the centerpiece of every team he's been on for the last 10 years. How would he fit in if he was a little less than that, if he was not that, you know? And so that's a question that I think teams have to sort, sort through with him too. So, um, you know, I, I, my personal feeling is right now he might be, and it sounds crazy, but he may be forced to go somewhere on a one-year deal um, to try and rehabilitate his stock a little bit. And, uh, you know, the Chargers seem happy with Tyrod, but if they strike out on getting a quarterback um, in the draft, maybe they revisit it. Um, New England, if his price came way down, they've got cap issues. Um, those are the two. I, I just It's hard to find him a home right now because there's no place that can bring him in and say to him, Cam, you're our starting quarterback from day one. What about Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton? Yeah, so Jameis to me is the one that, like, I look at him and it would make sense for him to go kind of the Teddy Bridgewater route where Teddy, you know, and obviously the circumstances were a little different, but Teddy was coming off the injury and sort of had to reestablish himself as a player and went to a really stable organization with good coaching and benefited from having been in New Orleans for two years. So could Jameis do that in, say, a place like a Pittsburgh or a Seattle? 
Um, or, you know, even a, even in New Orleans, you know, like could, could he go to a place that's got an established starter, good coaching where he can kind of rehabilitate himself, um, you know, just from a perception standpoint for a year. I think that that's probably what winds up happening with him. Um, and I, I had Andy Dalton pegged for the Jaguars just because Jay Gruden's there and they've got a close relationship. Mm. And I thought at some point, like that would make some sense as like a Gardner Minshew insurance policy. Uh, but I was told over the last couple of days that the Jags haven't shown a ton of interest in that yet. Now, maybe they will post-draft, but, uh, but the Jaguars haven't shown a ton of interest in that yet. But I think Dalton will have to find that sort of situation where, sort of like Ryan Tannehill last year, maybe you go to a place where the starter's on shaky ground, you go and you're, you're the good soldier backup, and then if something goes wrong, you step in. Patriots cutting Cody Kessler means what? It means that I, I, I think it means they probably draft one, um, and I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be that high, but I think they're of a mindset right now to start throwing darts at that dartboard. They really like Jared Stidham, and if you break down the trajectory of Jared Stidham, it actually makes some sense that he could be seen as a franchise-type guy who's the number one high school quarterback in the country coming out had tough circumstances at Baylor, played in an offense that didn't fit him at Auburn. The Patriots viewed him as a distressed asset, a very talented distressed asset for those reasons when they drafted him last year. And he had a good summer last year. So they like him, but they're not going all in on him yet. So I think sort of like – you remember like how Seattle, um, when Pete Carroll and John Schneider got there, they just started throwing darts at the dartboard. And it was Charlie Whitehurst, and it was Matt Flynn, and it was Tavares Jackson. Eventually, they landed Russell Wilson. Mm. I think that's sort of where the Patriots go right now, where they like Stidham, they give him a shot, but they just kind of keep throwing darts at the dartboard. Good to talk to you, Albert. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time as always. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Stay safe. Right. Good stuff. Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter for the Monday Morning Quarterback.com. All right, we'll take a break. We'll give you our best and worst of the weekend when we return right after this. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We are speaking of Cam Newton. Newton is the only player in NFL history with at least 100 touchdown passes and at least 50 rushing touchdowns. Pretty special player. Probably not enough of a career where he would be a Hall of Famer. I think if he put together two more high-end seasons, maybe, just because he was a unicorn. You know, you look at Michael Vick. Is Michael Vick a Hall of Famer? Like, I don't look at him as a Hall of Famer. And I know that somebody had a discussion recently. They were talking about him. and Oh, you know, it was Lamar Jackson, I think, who said Michael Vick's a Hall of Famer. And... Lamar's great quarterback, but not good at doing football research because Michael Vick's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Very talented, unique, but Cam Newton is a, a better quarterback than Michael Vick, in my opinion. Yeah, McLovin. What if he had like a Kurt Warner resurgence where he found a second team in his 30s? Yeah. Yeah, if he took another team to the Super Bowl and had a couple of good years like Kurt Warner did at the end with Arizona, yeah, I could see him as maybe a fringe Hall of Famer. Just because of the uniqueness of him and the fact that he's, I think he's got, what, 75 rushing touchdowns? I mean, he's got a lot of rushing touchdowns here. And some of the all-time greats uh, running backs, he's got as many touchdowns, if not more. Uh, Just saw this, British Open, canceled. Canceled. Not postponed, canceled. It will be played in 2021. First time since World War II, British Open has been canceled. 
That's why when you start to talk about the NBA season coming back and when they could come back and deep into the summer here, here's a hot take just in case the NBA season starts up. And let's say LeBron wins an abbreviated season NBA championship. I'll wait for the haters to swoop in and say, Michael played all of the game. He didn't have a magic. Didn't they? they didn't have, you know, shortened season here. He got an easy road here. That, that, that'll be the hot take if we have a season, which I don't think we will, and the Lakers would win a championship. I wanted to get out in front of Skip Bayless there before Skip started hating on LeBron if they came back and won a championship. Yes, Paul. How extreme would you go if you were the NBA to get a result in the books this year? Let's say leagues were cleared to play June 1st. That's a hypothetical. Let's say June 1st, leagues are cleared to play, all leagues. Would you do a extremely short series, or would you go NCA style if you had to? No, I couldn't do that. I would love it, but I don't think that they would do that. What I was told is they would look at a best of three opening round, best of five, and then they would do best of seven after that. And then you might, because once the season ends, and then you're not going to have much time before training camp opens up again, which is another problem. It's going to be difficult to have any of these sports. If you're looking at baseball for 100 games, that, that would be the max I would be looking at. And I do think college football and the NFL are probably in doubt. I don't want to say serious doubt, serious jeopardy, but in doubt of starting on time. And that's why the NFL is looking at a 12-game schedule and a 14-game schedule. Uh, let's go around the room. Uh, best and worst of the weekend. Todd, I'll start with you. My best of the weekend. Extra bonding time with my daughter, Lindsay. Tennis in the driveway. We played some poker and blackjack. Gray's Anatomy reruns and the Ten Commandments Saturday night was fun. Worst, no Final Four to watch on Saturday and no title game to tonight. All right. Uh, McLovin, best and worst of the weekend. My best is going to be a show called Unorthodox on Netflix, which uh, came recommended. Really, really good. Really interesting if you get to check it out. My worst is the fact that WrestleMania took two nights. Now, when I was a kid, they got WrestleMania over in a couple <laughs> hours. Why did they have to go two nights? It was dominating social media. Because they can. Because they need to. And then Gronk ended up winning a title or something. Somebody told me. I don't know. I, I didn't follow it. Is The Undertaker involved in this or something? Uh, Seton, best and worst of the weekend. You know what? I've seen uh, Unorthodox, too, and it's very good, so I second that recommendation, Eddie. Um, the weird thing about seeing WrestleMania is Gronk going off, like, the top rope or whatever and diving into all these dudes. I'm like, doesn't he have a bad back? Yeah. Is he supposed to be careful? Yeah. What the hell are you doing, dude? I thought the same thing when I saw him on the ground, and I went, this can't be good for your back. No. Can't no. be. It's like, dang, man. Uh, so, anyway, my best of the weekend, I had two. I finally watched that Miles Davis documentary, uh, Bertha Cool. Yeah. I think it was called. That's fantastic. That yeah. was really, really awesome. What a fascinating guy. I don't. I didn't really know a lot about Miles Davis, but super interesting fella. Um, also watched the Dave Chappelle. Uh, it's not really. It's a special about him getting the Mark Twain Award, um, and that was really cool. Uh, that's definitely worth a watch. My worst of the weekend was actually finding out that, uh, and I, I know that they were sort of set behind a little bit because they uh, the style of music, but Tragedy Mask not moving on in the meat madness bracket was just a real bummer. It, it really, it ruined my weekend, to be honest with you, because not only did they write an original song, they also sent in a video that they made for it and still lost. And that's no disrespect to the guy that did the Papa Roach song. That was pretty cool. But dang, man, I really wanted them to move on. Stiff competition. 
your phone calls best and worst of the weekend. Paulie's best and worst of the weekend. And a strange show, or at least the timing of watching this show for Paulie. Very surprised at that. We'll play some of the uh, Meat Madness songs. We're at the Mesquite 16. Have some of the matchups coming up as well. More of your phone calls.